Hey, Insane Mike here. Time travel movies on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. Hey, Insane Mike here. Time travel movies on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer. Hey, Insane Mike here. Time travel... Wait a minute. I feel like we've been here before. Oh, crap. I'm in a time loop again. I hope I didn't end up in an alternative timeline where Platinum Platinum Dunes makes remakes of Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday 13th. Time travel movies on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Welcome, Whovians, to another episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and you're welcome, Brian Clark, for the Doctor Who reference. This is episode 244, and we will be talking about horror movies that deal with time travel in one form or another. If this is your first time listening to our show, what Attack of the Killer Podcast is, uh, we are a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends. We get together, and we talk about horror movies within a certain topic. Now, we're all just friends here hanging out, so we just speak openly and freely, so there's probably going to be spoilers. Just letting you know. Now, if you end up liking the show, you can also support the show. Your support of our show helps keep it going. At jointheattackers.com, you can pick the tier to match the amount you want to donate, and your support of Attack of the Killer podcast will not go unrewarded. When you support the show, you become what we call an official attacker. Attackers are a special fan of Attack of the Killer podcast that gets so much more extra content. Some of our attackers have told us that we offer more perks and extra goodies than most other podcasts out there. So don't take our word for it. Take your fellow attackers' words for it. We here at Attack of the Killer Podcast will give you all new content for your support. Unlike some other podcasts that used to give you extra content for free and then decided to do a Patreon and pulled that old old, all old content and offered that as a perk uh, for donating to their show. Calling them out, getting personal here. Dang straight. And I'm not going to name specifics. Because there's actually a lot of them that I know that have done that. (laughs) With us, you get all new stuff, like bonus episodes of the show that is exclusive for the attackers. We also have various video series, such as Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten list, video updates, and killer critiques. You can also get your own membership card, sticker, and certificate. You can get shout-outs on the show and the website. You can even get original art by me called Mikey's Monsters, where I draw you as a monster of my choice. You can even get an official Attack of the Killer podcast t-shirt. There is so much we offer our attackers that there's just too much to mention. So go to jointheattackers.com. Sign up for the tier that best suits you. Again, that's join the attackers. 
Com. Okay, so we're gonna do try this time travel thing here. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna time travel 15 seconds from now and meet the podcast crew. He used to really be into time travel, but that's all in the past now. Tad, everybody. <laughs> hey, that one's not too bad. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys. Oh, hopefully this one will make you groan. Uh, he's been to the past, the present, the future, and he says it was all tense. Jason! Oh my goodness. Groan. Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening. In school, he was voted most likely to travel back in time from his graduating class of 2069. Andy, everybody! (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for still listening. Uh, but who needs time travel when you can get Shudder right now? Shudder, the horror streaming service for any type of horror fan, from classic movies to foreign films to newer films to original content, series, podcasts, and so much more. You all need Shudder. To prove to you that Shudder is a must, we here at Attack of the Killer Podcast are going to give you a month of it for free. That's right, I said it. One whole month for free just in time for the Halloween season. So just enter our promo code AOTKP and get a month for free right now. Now, do it now. Don't wait until they invent a time machine made out of a DeLorean. Get your free month now. That promo code again is AOTKP. So that's our film discussions for this episode. Wait a minute. (laughs) I think we jumped ahead in time, guys. Oh, no. Let me see if I can fix it. This, okay, I'm going to I'm going to try something here. This may take me a few hours, so hold tight. I'll be right back. I'm back. <laughs> now I know you're saying, "Mike, you said this was going to take several hours, and you didn't even really leave." Well, I hopped into my phone booth, went in the future, learned the master of time travel so that so that we can deal with these time anomalies that are happening on the show. So I think I have it all figured out. And I came back to the exact moment when I left. When I left, I believe uh, what we were supposed to be getting to is what we watched with Tad. What All right, uh, hop in the DeLorean, go back two weeks and try to remember what you've watched. <laughs> um, I'm just going to go ahead and address this one right out of the gate. Um, it's one, if, if you're not a member of our um, Attack of the Killer podcast Facebook group, I just assume you're not on Facebook because it's the best group on the right. internet. But um, funny enough, like I think it was Wednesday or Thursday as of recording this, um, just a few short days ago, uh, I posted that, hey, James Wan has this new horror film coming out called Malignant. Nobody's talking about it. What the hell? He's He wrote it, directed it. He's back. The guy who's done Insidious and The Conjuring and Saw, you know, the, the guy who sort it of... should be news. Right. Why is no one talking yeah. about it? Well... Saturday hit and no one will shut the fuck up about it. So um, I know Andy watched it. I believe Jason, yep. did you see it? Nope. Oh, I'm a loser. No, but um, <laughs> I, I can't. We can't really say too much about it. But it is. I've never seen an audience uh, a movie really? split audiences in in the middle so much of hmm. this. Um, people either loved it or hated it. I think yeah. 
Andy's on the same side as I am. I th- I had a blast with this one, um, but I just wanted to sort of air it out there because this is the one that everyone's talking about. Uh, I've seen it in every horror Facebook group, every, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere I go. This one's either getting tons of love or tons of hate. Um, Andy, what did you think of it? Um, there's stuff. There's no. There's no perfect movie out there, but there's stuff that I like, and then there was stuff I was just like. Okay, come on, really? Uh, I, there was there was parts where I was just like, okay, maybe Lee Wannell should have you know done a little bit of the writing. <laughs> um, like there's there's a, some of the stuff is like a little cheesy and melodramatic, you know, uh, you know the stuff about. Um, I always just wanted a, a you know a blood relative and you know all this and that you know I'm just like I have nephews who are adopted and they'd probably be looking at it like okay this is <laughs> this is really lame but um I think it's shot really well I think it's uh the story is new fresh and invented um there's there's like the stuff that was shot in the the underground Seattle I thought was really really cool um just be careful what you say no spoilers on this one yes yes i'm not <laughs> I, I mean i'm just saying location i mean it'll be it'll be it'll be shown but uh it's um yeah the the story is uh, i will say that it's that it's very very unique and um it's shot really well um uh i will it, it does have a very unique weapon hand uh, a very unique handcrafted weapon um i don't want to i don't want to say too much more but i mean it's definitely it's definitely worth a watch um there are there are some parts in it where i have i have questions where it didn't quite make sense it 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 seemed to to me it kind of broke its own rules in one spot i thought but i mean i guess we'll touch on that later once the rest of the guys see it but I I didn't I did enjoy it, but I mean it's not without its without its faults. I think um, uh, trying to dance around things without spoiling anything. Um, I thought it, there was some funny comparisons. People were saying it's a the biggest budget Lifetime movie they've ever seen. Oh, I saw that too <laughs> somewhere. Um, yeah, it's also a being compared to one of our favorite sleazy grindhouse movies. It's like a big budget version of one of a cult classic um, that I won't say because that would spoil some things. But um, I went into it without watching like any trailers, anything. I posted a trailer in the group Me neither. Uh, <laughs> for others to watch, but I'm like, I'm, it's James Wan horror. I'm going to watch it. And um, Oh yeah. It, 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 you know, hit HBO max and theaters at the same time. Unfortunately, um, I think in this case, it, it, I've heard that the budget was around 40 million. It made less than five this week, oh, past weekend. No. But, it's amazing that it, once you guys watch this, I cannot wait to hear Mike. I cannot uh, hear him like go over this. Um, to me, it's like I, you watch this and it's like literally he James Wan, like he did a Fast and the Furious movie. He did. Um, what, what else did he? Oh, Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman. Like, he, you know, he got to the point of James, you know, same thing with like James Gunn where with uh, Suicide Squad, where it was like. He's at the point now where studios will just leave him alone and back up a truck of money and trust him. And he took all that money and spent it wise on this. Like, this movie's fucking bonkers, dude. Like, I, I cannot believe that a studio put this in theaters. <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, 
but I had a blast. Like me and Nikki, like watched it to, and she had no idea what it was going into it. And there was parts where she was like laughing out loud, hysterically parts where she was like screaming, like this mm. one, it, if nothing else it's the, it's one of the most entertaining movies I've seen in a long, long time. Um, uh, there's never like a dull moment. So, um, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a blast. That's I wouldn't necessarily say it's good. I'm saying it's fun. It's a <laughs> lot of fun. Um, but I wanted to get to that one first, um, and then we'll we'll go ahead and just go straight to Jason. What what have you watched if you didn't watch Malignant? Well, I watched a lot of my friends get together in a tumble this last weekend <laughs> for a toy show. Mm. Yeah, that was really awesome. And I saw you like two weeks ago too. I know, and then I was in another show selling stuff. I haven't watched anything. That's what I'm trying to say is I feel bad and embarrassed. I you shouldn't. You've been very busy, guys. It's been a busy what I'm trying to, past few I've been weeks. been busy yeah. when I do have any free time. It's right before bed, and then I'll, I'll, like, I'll just go to Tubi and put on. I'm just in the middle of season two of the original Transformers G1 series. I'm, like, working my way up to the movie, and the movie's going to be in the theaters at the end of the month, so the 26th and 28th so i'm excited to go watch that in the theater because i missed it last time it was out so that's been my plan so i really haven't got to watch anything other than the movies for tonight and and been at least you got those yeah yeah i guess i'll just jump over to mike what have you watched well, I'm surprised I got anything watched. I'm in, obviously in the same boat as Jason there, doing all these shows and conventions and whatnots of late. Um, but I did manage to squeeze a couple movies in. Finally got around to watching Willy's Wonderland, and it's awesome. I don't care what any of you guys say. I freaking loved it. thought it was amazing. Did you watch it with Simon? No, I did not watch <laughs> it with Simon, but I bet... Yeah, I'm I bet curious. he would have. We, me, and him had talked about it. We, I think we talked about it at. Uh, I felt like I heard you arguing with somebody about it this weekend. Yeah, did Brandy like not like it then? No, she liked okay. it too. I couldn't remember. Who um, it was. no, I got an argument with <laughs> Simon about it because he oh. just thinks it's just a straight up Five That's Nights at Freddy's ripoff. And That's I'm like, exactly what I was gonna say. Is uh-huh. like I wondered if he would hate it because it's he's familiar with that and I'm not. So it's sort of like it's you know, own I, thing. Yeah, it, I don't have that association. Every time I tried to de- describe it to him, though, he's just like, eh, that's Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This happens. And I'm like, no, it's Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, I, so I guess it is maybe Five Nights at Freddy's. I don't care. Are you I familiar still, with Five Nights at Freddy's? I thought I was. Okay. Well, see, there's like so many different versions of it now with, uh, like different versions of the restaurant and, you know, sequels to this game or whatever. So some of the points where I would part of my argument of like, this is because in five nights at Freddy's, the animatronics are possessed by children who were killed in the restaurant. And I told him like, no, this is, these are the killers of the children that are possessing the animatronics. And he's like, well, yeah, yeah they completely did, different. Yeah, they, <laughs> they did that in the Chapter Five Fiesta Cantina, whatever. Five Nights, whatever. Blah blah blah. Neon Freddy. It so. sounds like I just need to like bring bring that up to him to get him to talk to me. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, if you if you if you just start talking to him about video games, he'll talk to you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's all you need is just to bring up games. 
ask him a question about a game, and, he, and then he then you'll wish he wouldn't talk to you. Um, <laughs> but no, I thought it was a lot of fun. I loved the fact that um, Nick Cage didn't say a damn word. I loved the complete mystery of his character, like what's with the sodas, you know, all of that and the pinball and the pinball. I, just all of that was just amazing, hilarious, and it was just a lot of fun. I thought the, for the most part, I really liked the the look and the design of the animatronic creatures. Um, I thought the fairies pretty bad. That was honestly the that was the same one. Thing, yeah, yeah, this is the same one. I was like not a fan of. So yeah, finally watched that, um, and then I finally got around to a movie that's been. Um, on my radar for decades and I've never gotten around to it. And it was, it's been released by criterion. Uh, and so I watched it on HBO max on the uh, TMZ app there. Uh, cause they have a lot of criterions on there. And I watched the 1970 film, the honeymoon killers, mm. um, directed by one time director, Leonard castle. Uh, this movie it's really interesting to me because it feels extremely stylized and I loved it just because it's an, a film in 1970 that's completely shot in black and white looks highly, highly low budget. And it just reminds me of like early John Waters movies or just some of the New York, no wave film movement of the late seventies, early eighties. Um, you know, the, the, the audio is very um, roomy, you know the where the the dialogue isn't as isolated, directionally isolated very well. It, it's just very room rooming uh, sounding. Um, so I assumed it was all in style, but just it's interesting because this movie was originally directed supposed to be directed by Martin Scorsese, and he started directing the movie, but it was immediately fired. Um, because he was only sh- he was shooting everything in master shots with no coverage, and they couldn't they couldn't edit it. They had nothing to edit, um, and and so they were really getting concerned with that. And I think the straw that broke the camel's back is he spent like hours and hours lighting and setting up a shot of a like a beer can or something. And so they kicked him off the film and brought in this Leonard Castle guy who's never directed anything ever since. Anyway, the movie, it's a true crime movie um, about these guys from the 40s, Martha Black and Raymond um, Fernandez. Uh, Basically, they were dubbed the Honeymoon Killers, Uh, this this, uh, couple that would dupe women out of their money in hopes of getting to marry Ray, Um, and then they would kill the women after they got the money. Martha would pretend to be his sister and it's 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 a very very awesome interesting kind of more melodrama than maybe like a horror film um you know because it just starts off with Martha meeting Ray and getting sucked into his world and you know cuz he's he's been doing this for before he met her and so it's there's always this like thing in the back of my mind the whole time was like is he duping her this whole time? And she's obviously unhinged because she's the one that um, that doesn't think twice about the killing where there's moments when it gets out of hand and, and Ray gets extremely disturbed and squeamish about what's going on. Um, and for the most part, it doesn't really get very brutal or anything. Uh, there's just There's always been this uh, rumor of this movie just being disturbing. 
And I really didn't find it very disturbing until, cause like, first of all, they avoid, they, they avoid a lot of the conversation about killing these women. Um, there's only like one moment where it really gets brought up and it's just, they poison the woman. So it's like no biggie. Well, I mean, they're still killing her, but you know what I mean? Um, until we get to like the last couple of women that they, they dupe and, um, the, the second, the last one ends in this like bloody murder. And then the very last one, uh, they end up killing, uh, this woman's little child on top of it. And it, that's pretty disturbing and it happens off camera, but they do it in such a way that it's, 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 it's quite disturbing. So I would highly recommend it again. It's on uh, HBO max on the Turner classic movie channel. Um, the honeymoon killers, but that's all that I watched. Excellent. I guess I'll throw it over to Andy. What have you watched? Well, uh, the first thing that I watched was, and it took a good chunk of my time, but I'm glad that I did it. I watched a uh, brand new cherry flavor. Yes, I finally got someone to watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and you, you were spot on. I mean, there's a lot of elements of uh, Lynch and a little bit of Cronenberg in there. And personally, I really like the soundtrack to it. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Um I I won't say any more than what you, what you've already said, but uh, the the ending kind of threw me off a little bit. I mean, it didn't disappoint me, but I I thought you know it was a it was a lot more open than I expected it to be. But you know that's okay. Um, really well done. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a very unique story, and um, I sometimes I think like. When I when I watch something, I can understand why you know. Eventually, you'll realize why they named it. You know why they named it, but mm-hmm. this this is not the case. I mean, brand new cherry flavor is like the oddest name for this uh, for this show. But hey, whatever, man. Um, another thing that I watched, I also obviously watched uh, *Malignant*. Um, but I watched. Uh, a film by uh, Bria Grant. You may remember her from, uh, well, you'll hear about her later, uh, but you may remember her. She was one of Scout, yeah, uh, Scout Taylor Compton's friends in Halloween 2, but she's also a writer and director. I watched her movie 12-Hour Shift. Have you guys ever heard of this? I've heard of it. But I, I haven't seen I, it. I've heard of it. It looked good. I saw the, it's, the trailer. It's not. It's not bad. I mean, it's not. It's not like a really straight up uh, horror movie, but it's it's just kind of gnarly. Um, it's got David Arquette, uh, Angela Bettis. You may remember her from May. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, it's just about. Uh, there's not really a a good person in this movie. Because it's about um, harvesting um, old people's organs and then selling them on the black market. Uh, but what the weird thing is, the guy who buys the black organ, uh, uh, the or- not the black organs, but the the organs on for the black market, is uh, Mick Foley. If you can believe that. Oh, cool. And he, which is weird, because uh, it, it, which is kind of neat. It's kind of cool to see him play a bad guy, but he says like the f word like so many times, and that's like so not him. If you know him as a person, I mean, I don't. I, I'm on the fence of just like, okay, that's different, or this, or I don't know if it kind of bothered me. But um, yeah, it's it's funny, and it's just like it's how stupid some of these people are acting because one of the organs goes missing, and they need it by like a certain time, so. 
this other person's just like, go get another one. We're just like, and it's just like, you got to understand, like, we don't do that. We, it just, it's not that simple. Um, and it's, it's takes, it takes place in 1999 in an Arkansas hospital and everybody's, you know, there's like a drug addicted nurse and it's just, uh, yeah, it's actually, it's actually pretty funny and it's actually can get kind of, uh, pretty bloody. So yeah, I definitely recommend that. And it's certified fresh by Rotten Tomatoes, if that means anything. Um, where, where, uh, where'd you watch it at? I d- I got it on uh, a DVD. I got it like uh, at a place I like to go, uh, the Pop Culture Exchange in Omaha, and they sell DVDs mm-hmm. there. And I was just like, oh wow! And then I was just like, Bria Grant, you know, because I I had seen some of her other stuff, and uh, it's like Mick Foley's in this, and it was relatively cheap, and and it's a newer movie. I was just like, well, hell, I'll give it a shot. So, and I'm glad that I did. It was kind of it was a bit of a blind buy for me, and I'm glad that I got it. It's funny you say that because when I saw Mick Foley last night, he had a um, the opening comedian come out and say all the f words for him. He was <laughs> oh. tell, tell it, when he was telling a story about Jake the Snake and what Jake the Snake said to him um, with lots of f words. He had a uh, another comedian come out and say them, so he didn't have to. Oh wow, Aww. old Mick. Um. I got, I watched a couple of my uh, Vinegar Syndrome buys. I watched a movie called Rest in Pieces. Um, I'm, I guess I'm talking to Mike or Jason on this one. I don't think maybe Tad's <laughs> maybe have heard of this. This is a, um, a film made in Spain, but it's uh, shot in English. And it's about this niece that inherited this large estate from her aunt. But it turns out her aunt absolutely hated uh, this girl's mother. And the estate is inhabited by multiple people that had committed suicide in a sanitarium years ago. And they still want to stay there and they do not want to be kicked out. I mean, it's for what it is. uh, It's it's not great. I mean, it's okay if you want like a cheesy Euro trash sort of film. I guess that's I mean, that's what it says on the back here. Um. Yeah, it's it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one that I had been sleeping on for a long time and that I hadn't that that I never saw, and this is another vinegar syndrome, and it's got a hell of a lot of special features on here, and I recommend it. Um, it's got like a ninety minutes uh making of documentary. Uh, well, more of like a uh. Like a retrospect, not like a making of, but uh, it's Madman. You guys ever seen this? Mm. Oh yeah, the original one. Mm-hmm. Have you, Tad? No. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Um, it's kind of like, <clears throat> it's almost like a f- think uh, like Friday the Thirteenth, but on like an Evil Dead sort of budget. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? Yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely. Um, basically it's, they were, when the guys made this, they were going to, uh, tell the legend of Cropsy. And this was at the same time the burning was being made and they caught wind of it. And they were just like, oh crap, we have to rework this because we know that the, the Cropsy story is already being told and they're five weeks ahead of us. So they, they modified it, uh, slightly about this deranged farmer, who just, you know, couldn't, you know, be killed, and he killed his whole family. 
and they hung him. They put an axe in his face, and he was, and he still walked away. And they say, you know, uh, if you say the name Madman Mars, like in the middle of the night, he'll come for you and he'll he'll hunt you down and all this and that. And it's it's at a camp for like uh, special kids. And Galen Ross from uh, Dawn, Dawn of the, the Dead is in it, in it, and that's really kind of the only name. But as I was as I was watching uh, the documentary. And, you know, how they use, like, basically the art director to play this Madman Mars character. And he was talking about, they said they were thinking about getting Vincent Price to play, like, the camp director. And they almost did it, but the budget wouldn't allow for it. Because, like, Vincent Price back in, like, 81 was, like, four grand a day. And they would have needed him for, like, three days. So... Vincent Price was almost the camp director in Mad Men, and they're thinking to themselves, you know, the guy oh, that man. was there, he he was he was great, but wouldn't it have just been awesome just have Vincent Price, you know, tell like that campfire story at the beginning oh, of this movie? I awesome. mean, just that would just that'd be unbelievable. But um, yeah, I I shouldn't have slept on this one so long. I I really really enjoyed uh, Madman uh, for a lower budget uh, early slasher flick. Uh, really really enjoyed this, and that's what I watched. Tad, if you have seen all the movies that Joe Bob has done on the Last Drive, and then you've seen Madman because he he I can't remember when you did it, but he okay I probably did see it, but I just don't remember. What's his name? Does does the song? song in that's in the movie during the joe bob segments at one point or i think joe greg bob sales or something. or something or i i, I can't know how's I, the song doing like i don't i don't uh, remember is it john brennan does the song or i can't remember if it was him or if it was joe bob himself um somebody sang it during the joe bob segments okay the, the the song that is sung in the movie i think i think it actually it might have been joe bob but yeah okay Hey, Tad, what'd you watch? I didn't get a whole lot watched either, for obvious reasons. I was seeing you guys every weekend. Yay! Um, Yay. But I did squeeze in a few things. I watched a documentary on Hulu called Kid 90. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, a few of you might have watched it. Um, uh, I I don't remember if you guys, if you've talked about it, I won't spend too much time with it, but... um, Sola Moon Fry, who played Punky Brewster, she recorded everything in her life from like the time she was a kid until now. And she goes back in her archives and her diaries and everything and just sort of talks about how tough it was um, growing up as a child star. And then like she developed really quickly as a preteen and how the world changed for her because of that and how men viewed her differently. And it was, it was very interesting at the beginning towards the end. It just sort of got sad. Um, because like every fucking kid actor she knew died yeah. and killed themselves. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. She just had this like, there was like a screen where she was just popping up. Like, like I, th- I think like six of the, her friends in that appear in these home videos ended up committing suicide. Their like kids. Dana started. Plato, right? Um, I don't think she was one of them. No, I don't know. I know she guys. committed suicide. Well, she, oh, okay. she, yeah, but not one she of her It's like Jonathan Brandis. And oh, uh, yeah. the two the two kids from the movie Kids, um, yeah, it's just sort of a somber ending. It was like I said, pretty interesting at the beginning, um, and and not to say it wasn't 
The concept's just, awesome too. Just the right. yeah, having hit record your whole life. Yeah, it's interesting. In like yeah. that she had all of that. I mean, you have to do something with it, and pretty interesting doc. Um, and then outside of the movies we watched for this episode, obviously in *Malignant*, um, I rewatched *Beetlejuice* for an upcoming episode of first time, and um, oh. I watched one for the first time that might appear in an upcoming episode. Also, um, *Eraserhead*. Oh, hey. nice! Yeah, I had never seen that, so. Um, I don't recommend watching this like at two in the morning by yourself. <laughs> I honestly wow. don't really. I honestly don't really just recommend watching it in general. Um, uh oh. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but I mean, it's tough. It's tough and it's sad and it's like a fucking. <coughs> it's literally a nightmare on screen, yeah. Um, yeah. and it gave me a lot of anxiety and made me really uncomfortable, um, which it's made to do. But um, there's like no joy in watching this. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, unless you're doing it for something like a podcast, I don't recommend it. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I watch. Nice. Get those phones out there and get them ready to vote on Twitter for m- my answer <laughs> to this week's question. Oh, wait a minute. You probably already have your phones out because that's what you're probably listening to the show on. Or, uh, well, no, never mind then. Here's Jason with Pole Position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pole Position. Oh, man. Even before we started recording today, I was looking at this week's results and I uh, was just showing Mike uh, how he's so popular on Twitter. Whatever. <laughs> at this moment, I had zero votes. Anyway, you think he learned he has Twitter. He's used it before, once a year, twice a year. I don't I'm just calling you out, cheat buddy. Cheat at the poll position like hey, the rest of y'all. Here's a, Tad. Have, do you vote for you? Mm-hmm. Jason, do you vote for you? Yeah. Okay. So, and Andy Cheaters. doesn't have Twitter, so no, I does. actually do have Twitter, but I just I rarely vote for myself. I'm. Hmm. Well, you're not any more noble than Mike. <laughs> or, anyway, I just kidding. We like to win, I guess. Um. So. Let's take a quick look back uh, a couple episodes ago, uh, 242, we were asked, what is your favorite, what is your one deserted island album? Oh, man. Mm. Everybody remember their answers? I'll tell you. Mike says, Mr. Bungle. Woo! Mr. Bungle. Jason says, The Beatles, number one. Tad says, The Beach Boys, Pet Sounds. And Andy says, Led Zeppelin, Houses of the Holy. Oh, man. Lots of good votes on this one. So, Mike. Yeah. Andy. Tied for last. What? 15%. The frick? Get some musical culture out there, people. (laughs) They did because it was neck and neck with Jason and Ted. Neck and neck. Yeah. Oh, Beach Boys and Beatles. Oh, that's original. Get more chalk answers than those. Yeah, right. Well, oh, man. I don't think I voted for myself on this one. I should have, so we could have tied. But Tad won it again. That sounds 38% of the vote. Very nice. Congrats. Uh, I'd like to thank the Beach Boys for writing. I mean, I guess Brian Wilson for writing such yep. a beautiful album. So yeah, yeah. And all right, so let's take a look at this episode's pole position. Oh, man, there may not be a tougher question than what was the best decade of horror and St. Mike, you're up first with your clear number one choice answer. This is my 100% <laughs> choice, number one choice, right out of the gate. 
surprised no one else took it. My vote is the 1990s. Oh, yeah. Now, here's why. Okay. Like, Please state your <laughs> argument. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people, especially horror fans, write off the 90s as like the death of horror movies for a while or whatever. Like, yeah. I heard grumbling about the 90s from this crew before we even started <laughs> recording. But I feel like... The 90s gets a bum rap for the first, I mean, Scream being an awesome movie, but what became of that with all this pretty, pretty boy popular actors and actresses starring in, in watered down slasher movies. I know what you did last summer, urban legend, all those, but that and the fact that like it, it, it's on the heels of a decade that probably had more horror output than any other decade. So it didn't really poor the poor decade didn't really stand a snowball's chance, right? But let's not forget some of the amazing films that came out of this era. You got Candyman, oh yeah, Event Horizon, oh, Nightbreed, yeah, Blair Witch Project. Hello, we're talking about films here that started that started trends, that started genres. I mean, I already mentioned Scream, but Blair Witch, come on, found footage. I mean, yes, there were found footage movies before, but but they no one gave it. Like a, no one gave a rat's ass to a Blair Witch, did they? <laughs> no. Uh, you got audition. Now we're getting into some oh. like uh, you know great horror movies from all over the world. You know, Ring You. Hello, that was '90s. That started a whole trend, didn't it? You know, I can't look at long-haired girls the same ever again. Um, you know, and everybody talks about, oh, the classic directors of the 80s. Oh, boo-hoo, where are they now? You know, but hey, Wes Craven did New Nightmare in the, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. George Romero did Dark Half. You know, uh, yeah, John Carpenter. Their best films. Hey, they're still great movies. <laughs> um, some guy named John Carpenter was still putting out movies in the 90s. In the Mouth of Madness, I'm I sorry. Gonna, oh, I was going to say, you, you were just going to skip over it and say, he made a movie. He made movies in the 90s. <laughs> no, in that's, the, your, that's your argument. He made them. I, I would put In the Mouth of Madness and maybe my top. It is pretty good. Top five John Carpenter movies. It, oh, are you kidding? Mm-hmm. At least oh. my top. Maybe my top 30. The grumble. He hasn't made 30 movies. Exactly. You don't like In the Mouth of Madness? We're doing it on the show. I'm not crazy about it. We did. No, don't love it. You know, we see dead people now because of the 90s, thanks to the Sixth Sense. You know, you get all kinds. That's a thriller. Oh. (laughs) You get all kinds of. (laughs) Thank you, Jason. You get all kinds of horror movies in the '90s, from experimental stuff like Cemetery Man and um, oh, yeah. and Man Bites Dog to like great horror comedies like Hello Tremors or Dead Alive. You know, so you get you get your big action your your big action directors doing amazing horror films too, like from Dust Till Dawn. Um, you know, you still got Bruce Campbell kicking it as Ash Williams, thanks to Army of Darkness. We wouldn't have Del Toro if it wasn't for the 90s, thanks to Kronos and Mimic. Oh, so dang. there you go. Boom, 90s. Suck it. You, did, Man, you, you did. really convinced me the 90s when every director had their worst movies. That's not just, true. He just named a bunch of good movies. That's not true. George Romero made way worse movies than Dark Cat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, have no way of following that in that giant list. I, uh, <coughs> I, I'll say that 
I'm glad that I got the decade that I got because you know Tad sniped all the good ones. But uh, uh, I I got the seventies, and I I realized. I was- I was on the fence between this. Yeah, and I mean, pick. a couple to my first two favorite horror movies, you know, Chainsaw and The Exorcist or 70s. There's so many good movies then. And I've really been just loving that that 70s film uh, look and and vibe. And I'm, I'm just loving going back and watching 70s films. So I'm really, really excited about 70s films right now. So that's my pick, the 70s. All right, Tad, what's your favorite I mean, it, it's it's almost unfair that I got to pick the 80s. I mean, I, I would have won with any because I just, you know, I retweet it and I know how to use Twitter. So uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I always take pole position anyways. But <laughs> I, I don't even have to campaign on this one. I mean, the 80s were the, the decade of decadence for horror. I mean, every like sequel, all the fun stuff, all the slashers, all the e- even if they're knockoffs, you know, uh, my favorite film Halloween, you know, came out in the 70s, but Halloween 2 through 5 came out in the 80s. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know, uh, The Shining, you know, I mean, can't argue I with thought that. you weren't campaigning. You know, it's just. And then when did Halloween 6 come out? 90s, boom. Oh. Yeah, and it's considered one of the worst of the franchise. Um, like I said, you know, the, 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 where franchises go to die is the nineties, but, um, Tad could just mention 1985 alone and yeah. win. Yeah. See, I think it's definitely unfair. I think the question we should have, have been besides the, 80s. the question should have been besides the eighties, what, what is the best decade <laughs> for horror? You know what though? Like I was kind of saying earlier, like you might be surprised that more nineties kids probably know how to use Twitter than eighties kids. So you might stand a chance. That's for sure. All right, Andy, what's your favorite decade of horror that's oh, left? Oh, well, I even though I'm going to lose, I'm going to I'm going to plead my case as strong as I can. Uh my favorite uh well, not my favorite, but in this case my favorite uh is the 60s. Yeah. Let's 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 start Mike here. Mike was pissed about it too. For the fact that you've got Night of the Living Dead, Boom. you've got uh Rosemary's Baby. Boom. You've got Multiple William Castle films in Mr. Sardonicus, Homicidal, Straight Jacket. You have got Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho and Peeping Tom, the guys who planted the seed for all slasher movies. Um, you've got the great um, Poe adaptations that Vincent Price awesome. did with Roger Corman's and AIP. So, I mean, you've got a lot of classic, classic stuff that inspired, you know, others down the road. So, yeah, man. I mean, if it wasn't for the 60s, you wouldn't have the movies, you know, of course, obviously they came before them. But, I mean, (laughs) they inspired so many films thereafter that filtered down into the 70s and 80s. So, got to go with the OGs, 1960s. I just got to throw it out there. The thing came out in the 80s, so I win by default. Okay. Well, all you Twitter heads <laughs> or whatever you call yourselves, you know you do the right thing and get over there and pick. Vote for me. And that's, well, <laughs> follow your heart and use all of your Twitter accounts like I do. Uh huh. And pick your favorite deck. Who got it right? The best decade of horror. Anyway, so yeah, that's at AOTKP. Get your butts over there. Vote. Tweety tweet. Tweety tweet. That's pole position. Tweety tweety tweet. Are you singing Walk and Robin? Yeah, exactly. Nope. Copyright says I did not. 
All right, guys, let's talk about some movies. Let's talk about some time travel movies, shall we? Jason, what's the first movie we watched for this episode? Oh, man, I forgot how freaking awesome this movie is. Yeah. Oh, it's from 2012. It's John Dies at the End. Solving the following riddle will reveal the awful secret behind the universe, assuming you do not go utterly mad in the attempt. If you already happen to know the awful secret behind the universe, feel free to fast forward ahead. David Wong? David Wong? Did you doze off there? Black stuff, this soy sauce. It's a drug, right? Just tell me what this stuff is, John. Effects don't last that long? No side effects don't last that long. The effects will last the rest of my life, I think. Why don't you tell me? Tell me about your friend John. I mean, that's tough, Dave. I'm remembering things that haven't happened yet. You got to be really brave to ask yourself the scary questions. Your friend is the only known survivor. The rest are dead. He's not looking too healthy right about now. It'd be opening doors to other worlds, man. It's <gasps> the weirdest thing you've ever seen, Arnie. Leave the police station right now during all the commotion. There's another guy in here with me. It's another cop. No, there's not. Check the mirror. How does somebody get into this? There's dead guys and drugs. It's kind of a long story, but now we can see things. Things are in motion, Mr. Wong. Nothing you're seeing is real. I suppose you are wondering where you are. You're having like a like a bad trip or whatever they call it. But there is no magic. Move now. I got my attention, Mr. Wong. Oh, it gets better. A lot better. A new street drug that sends its users across time and dimensions has one drawback. Some people return no longer human. Can two college dropouts save humanity from this silent, otherworldly invasion? Written and directed by Don Coscarelli. Oh my goodness. Um, came out, like I said, 2012. Um, it's amazing. It stars Chase Williamson as Dave. Rob Mays is John and Paul Giamatti. Where did he just came out of nowhere <laughs> and uh, just suddenly was in this movie? I thought I saw him as maybe an executive producer or something too. Oh yeah, he was. It, it's just awesome. He oh, he's a guy I want to hang out just with. Just adds so much weight to this cast and this movie, and just he's just such a stud. Mm-hmm. Clancy Brown, that voice of voices. Um, mm-hmm. you even got some Angus Scrim in there. What the heck? How awesome is that? Doug Jones gets to play Doug Jones. That's <laughs> yeah. What, that's what, one of the things I loved about it is just getting to see him out of the makeup for a minute, you know? Right. But um, this movie's crazy. <laughs> Holy An underst- Understatement. Yeah, I haven't seen this since the release. Um, yeah. And I was happy to revisit it. It's a blast. Don Casarelli's a madman. <laughs> for real. Yeah, he's awesome. I know this is based on a book, right? Yep, John yeah. Dies at the End by David Wong. Same guy who wrote the short story of Bubba Hotep. 
Ah. And so there was a really short-lived, very cool partnership between him and Don Cassarelli because Don Cassarelli's Masters of Horror episode was also written by nice. by that writer too. Is it like Incident on and Off a Mountain Road? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah yep. I love it. Yeah, probably you know, one of my favorites. Killer, right? That's yep. yeah, so cool. But yeah, I'm 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 with you. I'm I just love Don Cassarelli's movies, not just for his direction, but the movies, the the, the material he decides to do. I mean. The, yeah, does it have bugs in it? I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't yeah? He's got bugs in like every every <laughs> single movie. Yeah. But take like the Phantasm franchise. You know, good luck explaining what? that. You know, I just I he just does such weird subjects and but does them so masterfully in my opinion that makes them it it, it could almost be. Like avant-garde art house kind of nonsense. If it wasn't for the fact that you know some fun action, some good horror, um, and a lot of good comedy, uh, with as best as you could do with a straight narrative, in a sense, it gets kind of jumbled in this. But it shifts gears so quickly. I mean, it's uh, I almost feel like I have to watch this twice. Mm-hmm. Um, it make it really makes me want a bratwurst phone, though. Um, <laughs> uh, the fact that I saw you know Angus Scrim tell a guy that his mother's smears shit on the walls is just awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, it's it's. I, I will say this: it's unlike anything I've ever seen. That it's it's very very. Very different, but I had a good time. It, it's it's this movie's a blast. I normally hate spoilers, but this one just tells you right in the fucking title, <laughs> like just right away. It's such a cool and how genius is that? I know a movie that tells you the ending yet makes you want to watch it even more. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it, how does such this a cool work? part of the story? And yeah, how do you even explain this damn movie? It's just bonkers. I know one thing though that I I think this I'm think my favorite favorite part is just Chase Williamson's fucking sense of humor. That mm-hmm. dude is just so funny. Oh yeah, God, I just I mean I'm glad he was in the whole movie because I just loved him and his sense of humor. What else is he in? Well, he's in another movie where we're talking about later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Um, that's a good question. I'm gonna look. Well, while you're doing that, somebody else say something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, let's just wait. Clickety-click. It's kidding. For what little you see of Clancy Brown in this, he's really good, <laughs> I think. Oh, yeah. You know? It won't kill Korok, but it'll definitely fuck his shit up. <laughs> uh, still, I, my favorite joke. How do you even joke- explain this movie? Yeah, I know. That's what- yeah. yeah. It's so hard. My favorite joke of this movie, still I laugh every single time, is when they're fighting when they they first come across the it, right there at the beginning when they first come across the thing of meat in the basement, oh. and he goes to run up the stairs and the doorknob turns into a dick. That door will not be opened. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, what kind of movie are we into now? 
He was in The Guest. You love that movie, Chad. I do. He was in... Yeah, he's in Lucky. He was in Scare Package. We all loved that. Definitely. Victor Crowley, he was in that. He was one of those guys that I, like, in this, Mm -hmm. I saw him and I I remembered, and I'm like, I know him from a lot of stuff, but where is it now? You're saying all this stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, no shit. He's in, like, everything I've seen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, he's great. Yeah, really funny. Yeah, Frozen Meat Monster. Like, what? How else do you... What do you say? Man, and for the most part... You know, some of the CGI is is oh, dated. it's terrible. Well, for the most part, I think a lot of the some of the effects really work really well. But man, when you get to that <laughs> that monster at the end, man, that's that's some that's some rough CGI work. Yeah, right there. a little limited by their budget. I, th- I think they literally ran out of money Which by was the time one they got million to that. dollars. No kidding. That's it. Yep. Wow. Well, then the movie's even more impressive. Then I mean, it says less than. Yeah, and then box office was one hundred forty-two thousand. I mean, I would assume because I always heard that Paul Giamatti really liked the script and always wanted mm-hmm. to work with Don Casarelli, was like a fan of his and all this, that, and the other thing. So I would assume he, if he got paid anything, he probably worked for scale. How would you do a million-dollar oh. movie with a named actor like Paul Giamatti in it, and Clancy Brown, and? Everyone else you mentioned. Cast alone would have cost over a million. <laughs> this movie's so crazy. We can't even talk about it. How are we talking it, about it? It's it's difficult. You, you just kind of, you, you can't really talk about this movie. You just got to really kind of experience it. It's, how, I, I don't know how to put it, man. How do you you ex- just got to watch it. How do you explain it's tied to time travel? How is it unique? Time is all over the place in this movie. Yeah. Can't even explain that. <laughs> the loss of time and then just the, yeah. Having memories of things you haven't seen yet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. being able to predict the future and, you know, just the, fo- and the, 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 lo- the time loop with the phone call. And yeah, it's, it's odd, man. It's, it's just really odd. And t- <laughs> Time is like more out of whack in this movie than freaking Pulp Fiction. Yeah, like, and yet, and yet, this is linear straight story where Pulp Fiction was intentionally all over the timeline. This is supposed to be one straight story, just happens to jump around in time all willy nilly. No one's going to comment that I said willy nilly. Uh, I'm just putting it down on the calendar. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at a lot. I mean, good movie, but it's just hard to. <laughs> it's there's there's a guy talking to a uh, on a bratwurst phone, and there's a, uh, a dick for a doorknob. Just watch it. <laughs> like you can almost like feel like this was maybe produced by the people at Adult Swim. There you go, but. At the same time, it's not it's not weird for weird's it's not sake. That weird. yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, it's not like Tim and Eric weird in the sense of like this doesn't make sense because we want it to be super weird and not make any sense. There's still supposed to be rhyme or reason for things like Bratwurst phone and 
you know, the dog and and all the other craziness <laughs> that goes on in the movie. The dick doorknob. <laughs> and I think you can watch this one on Tubi and a lot of other places. Yeah. So if Hoopla, you haven't seen I think it. a canopy and Yeah. And definitely watch it, man, because I feel like oh, this so movie good. this movie um like disappeared off the radar fast. Like it came yeah. out and there was a lot of great buzz about it and people were loving it and I just feel like there's probably a lot of listeners out there today that's like, What? Who what is this? I never heard of this. Well here's the thing. Here's here's the best way to sell it to them. Is there any other movie that you guys, you listeners, can think of that has left us stumped as to what to say? <laughs> but we all, but we all enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. this movie's fucking yeah. awesome. But we don't know how to tell you that it's awesome. It's just, I, yeah, it's, no, we're just it's, Chris Farling it over here. It's like, <laughs> kind of, we kind of that time that doorknob yeah. was a dick. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I don't know why, but it was cool. It's a trip, man, and don't watch it. Don't start it at like midnight. Like, <laughs> you know, sit down when you don't have. Watch it with your mom. And put your put your phone away. Turn it off. Yeah, this is so a movie. You're not distracted. You, you got to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, you do have to pay attention to this one. And even when you do pay attention, you might still be a little confused. But that's okay. It's it's a fun ride visually. I think it's you're fun. supposed it's, to be confused. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're a Bubba Hotep fan, yeah, definitely. Yeah. If you're a Bubba Hotep fan. It, it has the same tone, the same humor, um, you know, not not narratively at all similar, but uh, <laughs> yeah. just to me, it's like he has this very specific sense of humor and tone to his uh, film, especially at this time period. You know, there's no one else really making stuff like this. So, yeah, yeah, man, I just such a fan of Don Casarelli. It's just I wish he had a bigger body of work that he got to make more movies besides Phantasm movies. You know, because I can't think of a single movie of his I don't like. Uh, I haven't seen Survival Quest. Oh, that's uh, true. I have yet to see that one as well. But I have on DVD um, the movie that inspired Phantasm that he made. Um, uh, oh, God, what's the name of it now? Kenny and Company? Yes, Kenny and Company. And that movie's great, too. It's just a a day in the life of, of these kids around the time of Halloween. Um, but... Uh, that's all it is, but it's it's a great movie. It's still a lot of fun. You know, and of course, Beastmaster. The greatest of all time. Yeah. So, I'm just really in yeah, tune it's with Don Casarelli. Yeah. 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 I got to see Bubba Hotep in the theater at a, on a college campus. It was pretty cool. Whoa. Bruce Campbell did the, I, uh, the intro. Oh, nice. Well, mine yeah, wasn't... Mine wasn't that cool, but that is the exact same circumstance I saw it. I saw it on a college campus. Yeah, it was uh, Bruce uh, did. You know, he's thanking everybody that you know helped make the movie possible, and he was he's he was screwing around on this typewriter, right? And he's just goofing around. It's like, oh, and then this guy does this, and this guy does this, and then Sam Raimi is supposedly on the phone. He just goes, "Tell him to wait." <laughs> you know, and then he gets done introducing the film, and then he gets on the phone, and then his eyes get all wide. And he says, Evil Dead 4, all right. And then he runs off the screen. It was actually, <laughs> it was actually pretty funny. His intro was great. That's awesome. I know it means nothing, but did you see what was announced on IMDb for a writing credit for him? Uh, I think that's been on there forever. It looks like it, but yeah. yeah. 
It's never going to happen. Bubba Nosferatu, Curse of the uh, She-Vampires. Yeah, I, I think that fell through. Yeah. A oh, thousand right. times it's fallen through. <laughs> Which is a damn shame. Yeah. Because Bruce is now the actual age of... I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so yeah, since we've got nothing else to say about John Dies at the end. <laughs> wow, I'm so shocked. Uh, let's move on to our next film. Tad, what do we got? We got Lucky from 2020. Thank you so much for coming to our little group. Thank you. This is a good bite. Lots of chocolate chips. the man who comes every night and tries to kill us we're just gonna leave him oh i'm sure he's already gone you said a man comes into our house every night and tries to kill us hey put it together what alone isolated a man could appear at any time he keeps coming back. He should be dead. This man could be anywhere. I just don't know what I would do in that situation. Sure is scary. Very. I'm sorry, I'm coming a bad time. I tried to call, but... I told you that something supernatural was happening. Would you believe me? We are being attacked. There's no rationalizing it. There is no saving us. So get used to it. Okay, lucky. A self-help book author finds herself stalked by a threatened figure who returns to her house night after night. She is forced to take matters into her own hands when she can't get help from those around her. Uh, I saw this one on Shudder when they premiered it like as a surprise premiere, I think, on New Year's Eve this past year, like coming into 2021. They didn't announce what they were showing. Um, I never heard of it. I had not. Uh, I knew nothing about it, which is really cool. And it sort of blew me away. I really, really like this one. So I was happy to revisit it. Um, written by Rhea Grant, who we were talking about earlier, who Andy was talking about earlier, um, directed by Natasha Kermani. So uh, I think it's awesome. We have um, female writer and director and Bria Grant stars in this, uh, which is cool. Uh, yeah, just uh, fantastic movie. I mean, once again, just sort of a mind trip of a movie where uh, I hate when people always say Groundhog Day because, you know, yep. One we're going to talk about later. I hate that, you know, that's like the standard as mm-hmm. time travel things. But I mean, when you repeat yourself over and over again, you know, it sort of comes that way. But this is interesting because yeah. everybody else it's a little different because like usually in those types of stories, you start over and the people don't realize it's like they're repeating themselves where this one it's like they know that it's the same thing again and they're not listening to her yeah, it's not the same day yeah. over and over again right right the same shit starts happening and, and th- things change every time but no one's like listening to her no one will help her and it's sort of like a fever dream in that sense in that 
it's like, what does she have to do? What what hell is she in where she's going through this every day? Nobody's no there to anything. help her. Yeah, right. No one's there to list, willing to listen. I'm sure there's some and. I'm an, I'm a pretty simple idiot. I'm sure there's a much deeper meaning to yeah. this. And maybe one of you um, will explain it. And and if not any of any of us on the podcast, I'm sure some uh, listener like Brian Clark will be like, "You fucking idiot! This is a is metaphor. a uh, metaphor it's for just, women," which I'm sure it is. Is like you know that's what I took from it. Yeah, right. Um, but. I, I really thought it was fantastic. Uh, Brie Grant's awesome as the lead. Uh, it's scary. It has sort of a unique sort of slasher character in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to hear what you guys thought because I think is this the first time for the rest of you? Or yep. yeah. this is my second. This is my second watch. I watched it earlier this year as well. Okay, cool. Man, it's so just what? so fucking awesome when we're just going along in the movie, and like whether you know what it's about or not. But when the boyfriend's just like, "Oh yeah, it's that guy," and yeah. He, it's like what and it reveals the what's happening and it's just like this is fucking awesome. It's crazy. It's just such a neat thing that doesn't happen in other movies. Yeah, we're sort of uh experiencing it with her where she's like yeah. I'm telling you exactly what's happening. Why don't you understand it? And we're like, yeah, why the fuck isn't anyone listening or understanding what's going on? Yeah, that that is pretty neat that we're just kind of thrown into the middle of it like she is and just kind of clueless because everyone else, or like, you know, her husband is like, yeah, every night this guy tries to come and kill us. Yeah. And we're experiencing, so matter of fact, we're yeah. experiencing yeah. this for the first time as in her mind she is too. So that That's kind of neat. Yeah, with I mean, your t- it, it, with your tone, I'm I'm sensing that you didn't love it, Mike. I didn't get it. I don't get it. Okay, if if I can probably see a metaphor in it, sure, but I also think there needs to be a story first. Or we yeah worry there about is message. A story. See, this girl wakes up every day, and that's great, and it's cool, and I was way into it. But like, and I don't need things telegraphed to me, but that. You know, I don't need to be told exactly why things are happening when it's when things are weird like this. But the ending kind of pissed me off because it didn't tell you because the, there was no ending. It didn't. There wasn't. A, that was not an ending. That you. Were, I mean, I sort of oh. took from it that it's like she's a self help self self help author, and she's used to telling everybody else how to control their lives and helping people get control of their lives, and her life is more out of control than anything. Um, so it's sort of that, you know, losing control of things and not always having control of everything. Um, her frustrations, she's worried, like she's, you know, she's getting more and more frustrated and, and it doesn't seem to be helping anything. And yeah, I don't know. My, my take from it is, you know, I think it's, it is a metaphor, um, about what women go through on a daily basis. And they're basically, you know, sometimes, you know, like my what my mom calls male pattern hearing is just like everybody <laughs> just you know when when it's something very very serious to them it's just like oh just calm down and just you know if any time she tries to explain herself she's getting you know it's it's always being dismissed you know left and right and and mostly from you know whether it be you know a male police officer or um 
you know, uh, the EMT or, or, or anybody else, you know, it's, um, they, they, they go through a lot and then everything's, you know, dismissed and it's, everything's, you know, a very, very, you know, they, they need to take this seriously and, you know, what they're going through is very traumatic and then it, it's, it's always dismissed. Um, I saw a lot of things in the movie, you know, particularly when they're in the weird science blue kitchen, uh, <laughs> with the, <laughs> um, you know, there was, it pointed towards, you know, okay, maybe she's losing your mind, you know, where, you know, this girl has a scar on her back, you know, or metaphors of being stabbed in the back or some, or, or something along those mm-hmm. lines. Like, you know, she's, um, and then the ending, you know, told me a lot of things about, you know, what they might go through. It's just like, we're, this is going to keep happening regardless. You know, it's just like, this is what women go through on a daily basis. And, you know, when she finally does pull the mask off this guy, spoiler, uh, all these male faces are just blending together because, like... You know, it's not just one person. It's you know for for what they go through. It's it's just it's it's a potpourri of just all sorts of things that they you know are going through in life. Um, yeah, for the, for the most part, yeah, men do suck. But I mean, <laughs> there are a few good ones out there. Um, not on this show, but <laughs> no, no, God, of course not. You know, my wife's still looking for one. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, that was my, that, that was my take on it. Um, it, it, very interesting idea. Uh, I can understand why some people don't get it, but I, I liked it. I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting and, uh, it, it pointed out a lot of things to me, you know, that I, some, that I that I know that it it pointed out things that I know, but I tend to sometimes overlook. So, yes. kind of it, it tends to open your eyes a little bit. Definitely a feminist parable about struggles of women, and and it definitely doesn't have that. Uh, yeah, the ending is not your Hollywood three act. Like it's more message than it is a. So I I get that it's not not confusing, but just not a strong dismount for a typical type movie for sure. But yeah, the messages are all good and great. I liked it a lot. Yeah, the messages are good. Just just didn't just didn't do it for me. <laughs> Mike's woke meter there just went down. I'm just kidding. I just don't know what else to say, I guess. Brandy's going to be very upset with you. Yep. I don't think she liked it either. <laughs> <laughs> Another appearance by Christina Klebe, who played... Yeah. Uh, um, uh, oh, pff, come on. Halloween, uh, help me out here. Uh, Linda. Linda Vanderklok in Rob Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> and my new favorite actor, Chase Williamson. Charlie the yeah. Medic. Sweet. So, Andy, what's our last movie for this episode? What? <laughs> no, you got to move on. Got to move on. I like it. Uh, no, I don't have anything else to say. I just think, I don't know. I, if It just it, it felt really repetitive with never giving me anything new. It's a time loop. 
I uh, know. I get that. <laughs> it's supposed to repeat. <laughs> you just. <laughs> That's why I was moving to on. Give you an okay. <laughs> so, hey, what's our last movie? <laughs> um, our last movie is from 2017, and it's Happy Death Day. Oh, hey, you're up. Am I in a dorm room? Yeah, I folded your pants for you. Great. Dude, did you hit that? Oh, what? Look, I know this isn't going to make any sense. Stop global warming. I feel like I'm losing my mind. You sneaky little biash. Happy birthday. I've already lived through this day. Somebody's going to kill me tonight. So you can hear now. Is everything okay? Shut up! Shut up! Assuming that I believe any of this is even possible. Sprinklers. Car alarm. The way I see it, you have unlimited amount of lives. Unlimited opportunities to solve your own murder. So I'm supposed to keep dying until I figure out who my killer is? You want to live to see tomorrow, right? Whoever's killing you knows it's your birthday. Pretty much the entire school knows it. These are signs of major trauma. You should be dead. You relive the same day over and over again. Kind of start to see who you really are. Okay, happy death day. A college student must relive the day of her murder over and over again in a loop that will end only when she discovers her killer's identity. This is the second time watch for me. Um, I was really apprehensive the first time I watched this because I was just like, okay, PG-13 horror. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um my first impressions of the character, I did not like them. Didn't like, well, her or her friends or the rest of the Sarostitutes that she's living with. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that was, but obviously as I kept watching, that was the reason, reason why. Because um, I liked the evolution of the character of Tree, our, our main protagonist, because... Every time she dies, she actually becomes a better person. She, like, evolves into, you know, she's obviously, I mean, she even says so in the film. I'm, I'm not a very good person. She's having an affair with her professor. 
she just treats other other people just like complete crap but you know through uh her relationship with uh carter uh the guy she wakes up in their dorm room with uh she tends to become a better person each time she dies trying to figure out who's trying to kill her on her birthday and it's also revealed that her her mother has passed away and um just the way they portray the character they just you know it kind of conveys that people who are hurting tend to hurt other people even when they don't mean to and uh yeah it's just uh the kills are very inventive as she tries to find out who's you know who's trying to kill her uh you know she eventually ends up you know pretty much killing one of her one of her uh sorority sisters this this mega bitch named Danielle um hope my wife didn't hear that i'm glad she's in the other room <laughs> um <laughs> um but yeah this this movie is it's it's super fun you know you've got uh i never have heard of a school that would have a baby as a mascot, but okay, you know, hey, I'll bite, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, just every every time you know she goes, you know, every time she gets killed, she has to she keeps waking up, you know, where she woke, you know, from from the day before. Uh, but yeah, super super fun movie. Um. Like I said, every time you know she gets killed, it's it's different and you know it's inventive, and yeah, I just it's it's fun, it's a good time. What did you guys think? This is like my tenth watch, probably. <laughs> yeah, I was say, <laughs> at least a hundred. Yeah, yeah, I watched this in theaters and then bought it when it came on Blu-ray and watched it several times. I love this movie. I love the sequel. Um, I wish and hope that we get a third movie. Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoy this. And, you know, same uh, director, writer as uh, Freaky. He's doing some great stuff. I I love it. Sort of know that it's for a younger audience, but um, doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. And I love that he's getting younger audiences into horror. Yeah. Sort of combining humor with horror in a very creative way. Um, I, I think one really cool thing that they do in this movie is that when she goes back and she dies over and over again, she collects that damage. Like that's something Mm, unique in this that, you know, when they look at her x-rays, it's like, you know, it looks like you've, your lungs have tons of damage and, you know, she wakes up feeling like shit. So there's an incentive for her to not just keep going back and doing this, uh, you know, crazy, like finding new ways to basically die over and over again. Um, And then of course it has an actual Right when you think that she's figured it out, there's another twist, which I thought was really cool too. Like they, they could have just Absolutely. been as as simple as, okay, she figures out that it's this killer that's in in the hospital, but there's another twist on the twist. And um, again, I I do love the chemistry that the two leads have in this. I think uh, the girl that plays Tree is really really fantastic. I hope she's in a lot of. I hope she gets a lot of work because I think she's really fantastic. Um, I haven't really followed her since these two movies, but uh, I remember watching this with my wife and she was sort of like, as a female perspective, she was like, it's sort of sad because like the message of the story is like, 
this guy did not date rape her. So, um, she fell in love with him. Like that's, that's the standards. But, um, you know, it's like when she wakes up and it's like, she assumes that he took advantage of her when she was drunk. And then it's like, Oh, you didn't. Well, I love you for that, but that's a whole different story. I, uh, I don't see it that way. Well, yeah. Cause you have a, a male perspective. Uh, but that wasn't the turning point of her following in love with him. I, I know, but her, her, I'm just saying like her view is like, I'm not saying that's what made it, but it's sort of interesting that it's like, she thinks he's such a sweetheart because he didn't. And when she finds out, it's like, I don't know. I, I get what she's saying, but I, I see what you're saying too. But I, yeah, I love this movie. Um, Christopher Landon is quickly becoming one of my favorite current directors i love the projects that he's doing with a great mix of comedy with with uh nods to horror with this and the and freaky and like scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse is also amazing that's a great movie Mm -hmm. and i think i shared this before but you know um he's michael landon's son yeah is awesome yeah, so this yeah, this is a movie I've watched over and over and over again and I love it every single time. It's really really good, a lot of fun. Um I just I like how well they do how well they deal with basically the groundhog's day of it all of repeating the same day over and over again. Yet you're seeing her character growth, you're seeing her you know try to put things together and try to solve things and the twists and turns that happen along the way with it with still having to deal with that. It is the same day over and over again. Um, I, I just think that in general, that idea to be able to still carry on a, a storyline with growth and development in the, not only the character, but the plot with having to basically repeat everything over, over uh, is gen- is great writing. It's really just genius writing, and it can't be an easy thing to pull off. No. Yeah, I freaking love this movie too. It's so awesome. I everything you guys have said, I I just love that it it did just come out of nowhere. It's like the, kind of the one that started all this time loop business, which you know became kind of a new little trend. I think. Is it? That's yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. You know, because um, I know we did. Oh, Palm Springs. That was so Palm, good. Palm Springs. We did that movie Triangle a few Triangle. episodes back that mm-hmm. I freaking loved. Yeah. yeah. Is that after this? Sure. We'll say yes. Argument. And yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love the performances. I, I mean, yeah, uh, that that girl and then that kid. It's easy to love him. Just the. Dork that finally gets the girl, and you know I love that. So, and yeah, it's got some Fifty Cent. So you know I love that. And if the movie didn't ruin the song for me, <laughs> the the pre 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 show for recording tonight definitely ruined the song. For Come me. on, I could have made it louder. <laughs> we could have listened to it more times. Uh-huh. I felt like I was in a time loop. Come on, you loved it. Yeah, this movie's so great. So great. Let's have a third one, please. 
I know. I would love a third one, but I also just I'm always I mean, just dying to see what he's gonna do. What he's gonna do next, though. Sure. Um, I feel confident after the second one. You know, we were, I'm sure we were all nervous as hell that they were gonna mm-hmm. fuck it up. Well, you know, he, like writing too much. Well, here's the thing. I wanted to ask everybody when concerning the second one, like Groundhog's Day in this movie. Uh-huh. I loved the idea that this is happening. They know. have to figure out how to deal with this and how to survive this situation without really digging into why this is happening and just leave that alone. So did that aspect of the second movie that they explained it, was was that a good thing or a bad thing for you? Uh, I don't know how to ask the question, so I'll just give you my answer. It didn't bother me. I, <laughs> nope, me either. I, nah, I thought nah. that it would, but it really didn't. The way they made it part of the story, and yeah, they again wrote it. It should have so well that, yeah, yeah, because you know you get a weirdo concept like this, you know, something completely twi- Twilight Zone ish, and you don't you don't want to know why, you know, you could just muck it all up, but. They crafted it so well in the second movie and making it such an integral part of the story that it, it works and I'm okay. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. Watch it, people. Do it. Everybody's seen it. A fun ride. Do it. And I was I was looking, I thought his Cardi next and Cola. Do it. Um I thought his next movie was like supposed to be because obviously again, this is his take on Groundhog's Day. Freaky is his take on like Freaky Friday. Um, and I thought his next movie was supposed to be like a take on not Back to the Future or something. But according to IMDB, he's currently filming a movie called We Have a Ghost, and the description sound anything like anything. Um <laughs> Any kind of ripoff of an 80s movie. <laughs> a man claims what to... What the hell? What? I was saying, what the hell? He's not ripping off an 80s movie. I like. know. Um, here's the description. A man claims to have befriended a mostly harmless ghost who bears a likeness to actor Ernest Borgnine and becomes famous I mean. on the internet. Now, that description alone makes me want to see it, yep. but at the same time, like, you know, I, I like how he's taking these 80s concepts and turning them into like fun horror movies i want more of that (laughs) give us more (laughs) but as i said before i think he's he's more than just that though he's done actually a lot of a lot of really good stuff i didn't know i didn't realize too he, he was a writer on a lot of the uh paranormal activity movies i didn't know those. nobody's perfect i didn't know those were written Hey! Oh, hold on! I got it right here. There it is. Okay, you gotta be quicker. I know. Or somewhere else. All right. So that's it. Everybody got everything they wanted to say out on Happy Death Day. Freaking awesome! Yeah. Perfect. Watch it. So that's our film discussion for this episode. Wait a minute. I think we jumped ahead in time. Let's see if I can fix it. This may take me a few hours. I'll be right back. I'm back. Okay, you probably already heard by now that I fixed the timeline. And so we can continue with the rest of the show. So let's continue with the rest of the show by taking a break. 
You are going to hear a promo for our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is our own network with over 20 plus shows, such as the Horror Cast. Now, what's the Horror Cast? The Horror Cast is a film discussion show where friends review and discuss horror cinema, old and new, in depth reviews, horror news, collectors' discussions, and lists, a lot of lists. So check out the horror cast and all the other shows on thepfpn.com. We here at Attack of the Killer Podcast are going to time travel to after the break. So we'll see you there. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. We're here, guys. We made it. We are now in the future. You better not learn too much about your future, or you could really throw off the timeline. So be careful where you tread. Now, however, I can't help myself. I've got to find out what you listeners have to say. So here's Jason with shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! Hey, it's time for everybody's favorite segment, shout outs. Uh, we asked today, what are your favorite horror movies that involve time traveling or time loops? So we didn't just get, we got some scenes as well as full movies. So I should have said that better. But anyway, let's start over on Twitter today. We got uh, Unsung Horrors. They're pretty awesome. Yeah. They're on the PFPN. Uh, they said True Crimes 2007. Oh, nope, I'm going to read that again. Time Crimes. Come on, it's small print. <laughs> I, I'm like, that makes that makes more sense. Time Crimes. Still don't know No, still no? Yeah, I still don't know it. Well, Erica says, watch it. Uh, it's, it's probably got like seven views on Letterboxd. That's why she That's watched true. it. And a bunch of kid deaths. Uh, then over, <laughs> so nothing on Twitter. And then, let's uh, see, over on our Facebook page, we got... Our pal Nick Leadham, he says, I guess I got to go with Evil Dead 2. You love that ending so much. There you go. Yeah, that's definitely some time travel-y <laughs> stuff there for sure. And and Army of Darkness is just all one big time travel thing, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. So, okay, guys. Well, now we're going to go over to the Facebook group. I don't know how to address this. I've never seen so many comments before in my life. Uh, it, they don't feed, don't feed the trolls. I know. I, I need, I mean, I got a men. They hijacked the shit out of this post and it was hilarious <laughs> as hell. And I've had comments about it all day long. So I won't read all of it Aww. enough. No, well, Jesus Christ. I, I can't even, <laughs> I spent half that break trying to expand all these to scroll down. I can't see, so you can't even see the bottom of it. Anyway, I'll, Let's start out with our pal, our ex-pal Tim Lennerer, he says. <laughs> Waxwork 2, Lost in Time. It's in the title. It's a silly version of the previous film. It's an anthology that goes black and white for its version of The Haunting. Which is a great scene <laughs> with 
also Bruce Campbell. And the sword fight through various time periods with fully appropriate costume changes for both fighters. At the end is fucking boss. Honorable mentions to Triangle. Yep, I love that one. Time After Time, the Cindy Lauper song. I'm just kidding. <laughs> nope. Uh, says more of a romantic comedy than a horror flick, but David Warner plays Jack the Ripper in it. Army of Darkness, The Final Girls, Time Loop, not Time cr- Travel. Yes, The Final Girls That's is awesome. One. That's a great movie. Um, the Terminator. Yeah, one could argue that they're in a movie and not necessarily oh, time travel. Someone but, is arguing. Okay. I'm not saying me. Oh. I'm saying someone oh, could. Okay. Star Trek First Contact. The Borg spread a zombie-like contagion in it. Happy Death Day, also a time loop movie. And Woo. 12 Monkeys, a time travel movie with 30-year oh. time loop in it. Those funky monkeys. monkeys. Oh, my God. And so the next comment is Brian Clark. He says, <laughs> Waxwork 2, Lost in Time. It's a silly version of the previous film. It's an <laughs> anthology that goes black and white. for its for- So basically, these jerks just... They, they're stuck in a time loop. Let's move on. Brian Clark leaves a real comment this time. He says, Benson and Moorhead's The Endless. Man, I love this movie. He says, a brilliant follow-up to the first film, Resolution. It ties their stories together flawlessly in some of the most effective cosmic horror ever put on film. I agree. That movie's great. Tim Linnerer says, Benson and Moorhead's The Endless. A brilliant follow-up to their last film, Resolution. It ties the stars together flawlessly and some of the most effective cosmic core ever put up them. Aren't they hilarious? Mike Reeb says, Mike Reeb the Reebster. We got to see Reeb. Okay. Yeah. Triangle is friggin' awesome. Yeah, it is. Final Girls is amazing. Yeah, it is. Terminator is the king and Time Rider just because I loved it as a kid. Hey, look, we got Tim Lenner says, Triangle is friggin' awesome. Final Girls is uh, moving on. Brian Clark says, Triangle is friggin' awesome. Final gr- moving on. Abe, the Abester, Abe Kirshner, the Kirsch. He says, I have to mention Memento. More horror adjacent, but the way the, they deal with time in that movie is pure genius. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that movie. It's the only Christopher Nolan movie I think that's left I still like. Yeah. You know who else loves it? Brian Clark and Tim Lenerer. <laughs> they have to mention Memento. It's more horror adjacent. But, okay, moving on. Brett Royer says, <laughs> Attacker Brett, my friends. Attacker Brett says, Attacker Brett. Spice World is a better movie overall than all Godzilla movies. Whoa. It was. Oh, and then I par- know what he's doing. In parentheses. I know what he's doing. I just want to see if anyone is willing to copy and paste that. Brian Clark says, Spice World is a better movie overall than Godzilla movies. I just want to see if anyone is willing to copy and paste that. Tim Lennerer says, Spice World is a better movie overall than Godzilla movies. I just want to see if anyone else is willing to copy and paste that. Brett Royer says, I wonder if Brian Clark's soul died a little bit as he posted that. Brian Clark says, I wonder if Brian Clark's soul died a little as he posted that. Tim Lennerer says, I wonder if Brian Clark's soul died a little. Andrew Wassum is great. Andy's so Andy just can't not chime in. It's so good. Uh, he says, the Brian Clark time loop is my favorite Facebook feed. <laughs> Brian Clark says, the Brian Clark time loop is my favorite Facebook. It's just, God, I'm not even halfway through. The, Tim Lennerer says, the Brian Clark face time loop is the, and so Andy's like, okay, I rest my case. <laughs> and then Attack of the Killer podcast says, I rest my case. And then Brian Clark says, I rest my case. And then Tim Lennerer says, I rest my case. <laughs> 
Brian Godsell. Attacker Brian. The Godsell himself. I'm still upset that you guys bashed my Dollar Tree collection last episode. (laughs) 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 You know who else is mad about it? Brian Clark. Uh I'm still upset that you guys bashed my Dollar Tree collection last episode. And so is Tim. Tim's mad. (laughs) Uh, We got Tony Miller. Attacker Tony. The Tonester. Toners. He says, Spice World is a classic. My horror pick is TMNT3, Turtles in Time. Almost ruined my childhood. Ryan Clark says, Spice World is a classic. Oh, my God. The horror movie. See? See what I'm saying? (laughs) And then uh, Tony Miller says, Brian Clark, are you okay? Should we be concerned about this? Brian Clark says, Brian Clark, are you okay? Should we be concerned about this? Brian Clark says, I'm trapped in a time loop. I think Tad is up to some kind of nefarious experiment. Brian Clark says, I'm trapped in a time loop. I think Tad is up to some kind of nefarious experiment. I told you don't be the troll. <laughs> I know. It just keeps going. But it's amazing. Tim jumps in and repeats all those things 17 times. Hey, we made it to the end. Holy shit, you guys. <laughs> Fucking funny as hell. Jesus. Oh, it's moments like these that makes this show <sighs> all worth it. Oh, my God. I'm out of breath. Anyway... That's all the comments ever. And this is the last episode. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (coughs) But if you want to call in and leave more stupid-ass comments, (laughs) you can call 415-952-6857. That's 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us a voicemail once, please. (laughs) But leave it. It'd be awesome. And and that is shout-outs. I... Just I hope <laughs> one day somebody will be just you to use that phone line for nefarious reasons. I know it's gonna happen. I hope so. With this, with the people who listen to this show, it's bound to happen anytime <laughs> now. All right, in our next segment, one of the stars of this next segment thinks he's a time traveler, but Gary Busey just blacks out a lot. Here's recasting with Christian Slater. Salutations and welcome to another episode of Recasting with Christian Slater, where exquisite taste and class are about as common as a Rick Moranis sex tape. <laughs> this week, we're about to ruin a film that ruined another film. I'm, of course, talking about 1999's House on Haunted Hill. Without further ado, let's meet our cast. Reading the part of doomed house owner Watson Pritchard is series mainstay Don Knotts. Say hello, Donnie. Do you have the Miranda sex tape? I'd like to read for that. There is no sex tape, Donnie. It was just the intro. Who the hell would want to see that anyway? I sure feel would. <laughs> God damn it, Busey. Wait till I introduce you. Going off script and out of his fucking mind, reading for the part of Sarah is Gary Busey. Gary, make it brief. If Donnie and I are reading for the Miranda sex, Miranda sex type, I want to be the big singing plant. 
in many of my travels, I've had many tent-a-tents with plants. Jesus, that's a big fucking surprise. Who let you out of your cage today, anyway? Reading for the part of former baseball player Eddie Baker, and I don't know how the hell we got him, is Billy Bob Thornton. Welcome to the show, Billy. Welcome my ass. You better get a goddamn move on, Slater, and do it now. I'm here as a favor to you, and I'm in a goddamn hurry. Christ, I thought Knott's was hostile. Reading for the part of Stephen Price and at least 50 feet away from Busey is the Prince of Fucking Darkness, Ozzy Osbourne. Say hello and don't hit the panic button yet. Just Okay, Oz? Jackie boy, thank you for having me on again. I've got to tell you, though, looking at you from far away, you look like a really old Christian Slater. <laughs> <laughs> Ozzy, I'm buying you a fucking beer. Uh, it's a paycheck, Slater. Just move forward. We get paid. <laughs> Shut up. Reading for the part of Dr. Blackburn is attorney his favorite son, the Dark Lord Skeletor. <laughs> yes, you cockmuckers! I get to play a doctor! That means I get to decide who lives and dies! Essentially, I'm a god! You know he's one of the earliest ones to die in the movie, right? Ha <laughs> ha! Burn! Son of a bitch! I'll play doctor if you want me to, Skelly. <laughs> What the hell kind of goddamn circle jerk is this? Jesus Christ, it's like I'm babysitting my sister's kids. <laughs> I say that to myself every week. Reading for the part of the titty-titty strutty-strutty celebrity, Melissa is another celebrity with a great rack, Bullwinkle the Moose. <laughs> Why, thank you, Christian. And if I may, I'd like to throw my hat into the mix if, I, if you ever read for that sex tape. There is no fucking sex tape. You know what? Fuck it. Page six. Interior, main salon, just after. Just off the foyer, the furniture, though dust-caked and rotting, is, an art, is antique deco and sumptuous. Liquor and lavish buffet have been set out on a sideboard that looks like one of the Dalai Lama's... Do, excuse me, Dalai, Dalai's limp pocket watches. As Price enters the room grimly, he's descended upon a, by an angry Pritchard. Mr. Price, I think I've done a great job of getting all your guests here, and I think I deserve my money. Now! Price produces an, en an envelope from his jacket and taps it. Right here, Mr. Pritchard, I've got five other bona fide bank drafts for one million dollars each. Made out to cash. Now that's what I'm goddamn talking about. When do we get this money, sir? The second the sun hits tomorrow morning, assuming you've stayed the entire night. You and you're still alive, of course. If there's any other questions, what are you talking about? Oh, sorry. Detail I forgot to mention. You die, you lose. Your check gets divided amongst the living. But look at the bright side. If there's one of you still upright, it's on. You'll be living here with five million dollars in your pocket. This is goddamn crazy. Yeah, but hey, if anybody's not comfortable with the rules and you're free to walk any time, seven digits poorer goes without saying. <laughs> Richard shoots his hand in the air and waves it around. I'm ready! I'll walk! Now! <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Pritchard, just let me sign the damn thing. Price sits at a rusted octagonal wire and steel desk. Knives open his envelope and produces a pen. Oh, just for a record, what are the rest of your names? Donald W. Blackburn, M.D. That's it. One <laughs> fucking line. Great, so. This is bullshit. Look at it this way. You getting your furry panties in a twist is actually making the scene better. Well, yeah, of course it is. Please continue the intros, Bullsy. Melissa Margaret Mars, celebrity! Eddie Biker, pro... Former pro baseball player. All eyes have turned to Sarah, who's just standing there nervously. And you, long lady? She blurts out the line as one word. Jennifer Jensen, Executive VP, Latham International Pictures. Very good. Well, I can say with complete honesty, I've never heard of any of you. Then what in the hell are we doing here? How did we make your guest list, Price? Throw darts in a phone book? I'm sure the ex unexplainable will probably explain itself before too long. Fed up, Pritchard stomps across the room and confronts Price, jabbing a finger in his chest. Jesus Christ, that's it! Sorry to interrupt here. God damn it! You give me my goddamn check right now! Because I want it! You give it! Now! <laughs> I'm serious! Sorry, Pritchard, here you go. He signs the check and hands it to Pritchard, who spins on his heel and starts quickly for the Fourier. I think you're going to miss the bash of a lifetime. My loss! Even if I'll give you a million as well. Wouldn't know what to do with it all! And then, suddenly, we hear the distant sound of heavy machines at work. Pritchard freezes for a moment. I think I gotta go now! Interior gear room, heavy gears somewhere in the house, crunching as they begin to turn. Interesting. Slate, interior grand foyer where Pritchard is sprinting like a madman to the exit. An iron door closes over before he can reach it. Fuck! Interior main <laughs> salon, the noise inside the room, inside the entire house is deafening. Iron plates are covering the windows. The windows. Pritchard makes a long run across the huge room towards the main salon. Interior main salon. Bam! The windows being sealed off by heavy iron plates slamming into place. That's interfuckingtainment! Interior main salon. Later, Eddie, sh Eddie shoves upward an iron plate covering the window. This goddamn thing ain't moving, man. <laughs> Blackburn turns and addresses Price. Is this your idea of a joke? In the distance, glass shatters. Blackburn and Price turn their heads towards the sound. Interior hallway night. Pritchard kicks away the glass of an iron-colored window. Interior main salon night. Pritchard's not laughing. Interior hallway night. Pritchard continues to struggle with the window, shoving away glass. He slices his hand. Open! Open, you stupid asshole! 
This concludes our traditional episode of Recasting with Christian Slater. However, stay tuned as we have dug into the archives and found an old audio tape of James Mason's audition for the sheriff of Malibu County in the Big Lebowski. In closing, God knows they wouldn't what we wouldn't do for a lot of for money. For example, I do this show. <laughs> then again, there's not a lot that Busey wouldn't do for free. And I'm pretty sure his checklist is longer than a line at the DMV. Point is, <laughs> the prize needs to be more than the price you're willing to pay, even though it is, is even then, it's not sometimes, it's not enough. Think it over. As promised, here's James Mason's edition. Okay, um, first of all, uh, I'd like you to uh, state your name and the role you're playing, and we'll just go from there. I'm James Mason, and I will be reading for the sheriff of Malibu County. Uh, Jeff Bridges, I'll be reading for the dude. Whenever you're ready, gentlemen. Chief's office. The dude is hurled up against is hurled against and bounces off the chief's desk. He comes to rest more or less seated in a facing chair. His wallet is tossed in onto the desk. The chief leans forward, takes the wallet, and sorts through it with the weary disdain of a cop who has seen it all and not cared for any of it. He looks at the Ralph. Ralph's Shopper's Club Card. Is this your idea? <laughs> I know my rights! You don't know shit, Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> I want a fucking lawyer, man! <laughs> I want Bill Kunstler! <laughs> what are you? Some kind of sad-ass refugee from the fucking 60s. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mr. Treehorn tells us that he had to eject you from his garden party. That you were drunk and abusive. That guy treats objects like women, man. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Treehorn draws a lot of what in this town, Lebowski? You don't draw shit. We've got a nice, quiet beach community here, and I aim to keep it nice and quiet. So let me set, make something plain. I don't like you sucking around bothering our citizens, Lebowski. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off <laughs> face. I don't like your jerk-off behavior, and I don't like you, jerk-off. <laughs> Do I make myself clear? The dude stares. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. The chief hurls his mug of steaming coffee at the dude. It clanks off his forehead and sends scalding coffee everywhere. Ah! Fucking fascist! The chief is up off his chair, rounding the desk. Stay out of Malibu, Lebowski! He slaps the dude, kicks his chair out from under him, and then starts kicking at the dude himself. Stay out of Malibu, deadbeat! 
Keep your ugly fucking gold-bricking ass out of my beach community. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> With our upcoming event here in Ottumwa, Iowa, called Halloween Palooza, I will be inducting some of our upcoming celebrities into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. This episode, I am inducting the star of such Insane's Picks classics as Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolorama, Nightmare Sisters, and Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity. That's right, the great '80s scream queen Brink Stevens, Charlene Elizabeth Brinkman who would later go into go into show business to be known as Brink Stevens, was born in San Diego, California. She did not plan to have a career in showbiz. After high school, she attended the San Diego State University and got a double major in biology and psychology. Brink received her master's degree in marine biology from Scripps Institute of Oceanography in La Jolla, California, in 1977. As a teenager, she was a Star Trek fan and frequently attended different sci-fi conventions. In 1974, Stevens attended San Diego Comic-Con and won first place in the first-ever Masquerade Ball. After that, she would remain involved in the running of the Masquerade Ball at Comic-Con's years afterwards. With her then-husband, comic illustrator Dave Stevens, who she met in college, she moved to Los Angeles in 1980 and served as a model for the character of Betty in Stevens' comic series The Rocketeer. After a couple of after the couple divorced in 1981, Brink was unable to find employment in the field of biology and began working as a film extra for money. Photographer Dan Goldman saw a photograph of her in costume and hired her for a non-speaking role in his student film, Zayak is King, in 1980. While leaving leaving a model agency one day, Stephen stopped by an office door to look at at film posters on the wall. The office belonged to Jacob Besler. Jacob told her to enter and asked for her portfolio. On the basis of that, he cast her as an uncredited, non-speaking role in the film All the Marbles in 1981. Stevens' first major speaking role was as Linda Don Grant in the slasher classic Slumber Party Massacre in 1982. Stevens has appeared primarily in genre films like horror, sci-fi, and fantasy. She appeared in such other classics as Body Double, Transylvania Twist, Haunting Fear, Bad Girls from Mars, Teenage Exorcist, and Jacko, just to name a select few. In addition to acting, Stevens has co-written a number of screenplays, co-produced two documentaries, and served as on-set decorator. Still going strong to this day with 250. 24 acting credits appearing in an average of two to four films a year. Brink Stevens is a down to earth actress who knows exactly who she is and is able to form her career her own way. I can't wait to finally meet Brink yeah. Stevens after all these years at Halloween Palooza. You should all come to um, October 8th and 9th. 
here in Ottumwa, Iowa. After all these years of watching her movies, I'm I'm a huge fan. I can't wait to meet her. And so for this episode, I induct the amazing Brink Stevens into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. So excited. So excited. Yeah, so excited. Just can't hide it. About to lose control. Okay. So I think we've reached the end of time. We have nowhere else to go with our time machine. So with that said, uh, it's a wrap. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I uh, really appreciate it. Special thanks to the attackers all those for attackers. helping to support the show. Such cool people. Thanks to all of our great time travelers throughout history. You know, Doctor Who, Bill and Ted, Doc and Marty. <laughs> so thanks for, listen- thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh, no. Could this be the end of... Attack of the Killer Podcast Attack